consulting, I think for me, gave me more of an analytical approach to dealing with most problems. And also um, a pretty pragmatic approach. So we're always looking to find a solution that's actually tangible and can be implemented, you know, relatively quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. Today, I'm speaking with McKinsey consultant, Sam Abrams. Sam was able to break down what management consulting is, tips on how you can secure and prepare for interviews with some of the biggest consulting firms in the world, such as Boston Consulting Group and Bain & Company, just to name a few, and what industries consulting can transfer over to. If you're listening right now, take a screenshot and post on your Instagram stories and tag our official Instagram page at Privileged Black Kids Podcast or my personal Instagram, underscore Kendall Camp, and tag Sam's Instagram at Sam underscore Abrams. I will put all of those in the description. Also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and give a rate and review if you end up liking this podcast as well. Thank you guys so much for love and support, and here's another episode of Privileged Black Kids. Hello guys, this is another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host Kendall Camp, and today I'm speaking with McKinsey consultant Sam Abrams. Um, Sam, how are you doing? I'm good, bro. What's up with you? Man, it's been tough lately with uh, doing these episodes, you know, through the mic and not having a studio, but I'm doing good. But, it's good to hear, man. Yeah, I'm trying. But, um, you know, so Sam, like you've been able to have like a couple internships in consulting. Um, you now going full time into the field in the fall. You know, I would love for you to break down kind of like what management consulting is for the audience and how you got exposed to it. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, speaking first on how I got exposed to it, I came to Morehouse, um, class of 2016, and I knew I wanted to do something in business. I ended up majoring in economics and math, and at first I thought my path would be Wall Street, um, like many of my peers at school. And so I did what they all did, which was apply to all these programs at various banks, and for a while, I thought that's what I wanted to do. But as I started looking further and further ahead into my future, I didn't know that how um, a career on Wall Street was going to really fit into my plans. And then I stumbled across a few different consulting firms, and I saw the different exit opportunities and also the opportunities at these firms that people were able to get exposed to. And those fields were just way more interesting to me. So uh, I started prepping for the various interviews was fortunate enough to land a pretty competitive uh, internship my sophomore year, and that's translated all the way through full-time. So I can speak more into what I did to get there, uh, but just for everyone listening, these are just my experiences. Uh, I know a lot of people with a lot of different paths, and they all ended up at the same company. So really, whatever works for you, uh, just know that there's a lot of different ways to get there. So for yourself, like when you were going through your sophomore year, you know, what did you do to prepare for consulting interviews? You know, um, you know, there's some prestigious consulting firms out there, you know, such as Boston Consulting Group and Bain & Company. You know, what did you do to prepare for interviews like that? Definitely. I think the first and probably most important thing is that uh, in consulting, you're never alone. You're always in a team setting. So orienting yourself with a case prep team to get ready for interviews is really important and for those of you who don't know what case prep is uh, consulting interviews are typically surrounding a business case and that's a sample or mock business problem that you need to work through systematically 
and show the interviewer that you're a competent in problem solving, communication skills, and being able to structure through what a solution could look like in a real life business situation. And the interview kind of gives the company a sense of how you would act in the job because the job is very similar to the case. And having a couple of interviews, I've actually seen how a lot of the same skills that you demonstrate in the case interview translate directly to the job. So the first thing I did, like I said, was surround myself with a good team of people. So a couple of classmates who were also interested in getting similar internships, uh, we would case for maybe three to four hours a couple of times a week, um, running through various business scenarios, getting our delivery um, more succinct, practicing different frameworks, which are uh, pretty much just strategies to how to solve cases. And we did that for a couple months before the interview. And then by the time it came uh, to interview, um, we all felt really prepared for the positions. So what would you say are some of the best skills to have before going into a case interview? Yeah, so in terms of skills, it doesn't really depend too much on your academic background. I'd say it's more your mindset and your willingness to uh, adapt on the fly. So you're never, unlike a test you might take in school where you can study for it and you know the right answer, you know the formula going in, you know broadly how to solve a case interview problem, but you don't know exactly what the problem will be or what the uh, right answer will be or even if there is one right answer. Um, consultants are more looking for the process than the actual answer, especially in the interview. Uh, so not getting flustered when you don't know the right answer uh, is definitely a skill to learn and practice so you don't get flustered in the actual, in the actual interview. Uh, thinking back to some interviews that I had, um, there were moments where I felt tripped up, but it's really important that you don't show that to the interviewer um, and that you keep pushing because your tenacity and your willingness to work through um, problems in the interview is going to translate to how um, you respond to in, uh, issues and controversy on the job. So when you're going through kind of the case prep process, you know, what would you recommend to somebody as far as how many times they should case up and up until an interview? Yeah, I think that depends largely on who is um, going to interview, what your business background is. You don't need any business experience from what I've seen uh, to land a, a internship or opportunity at any of the major firms. Uh, but it will be helpful to have some sort of business acumen or context of what's going on. So if you know that you have a limited uh, research background, reading a couple of articles in a Wall Street Journal, learning like basic business terms, fundamentals, um, will definitely do you well. Everybody, though, I've heard blanket um, recommendations from 10 to even upwards of like 30 cases before the interview. That's say wherever whenever you get to a point where it doesn't feel like it's something that's prescripted it just feels natural going through the process asking questions and knowing the structure front and back uh, i think that's when you're at a pretty good place another strategy might be to reach out to people who are at these different firms and have them give you a case um, most consultants will probably um, have some sort of insight into what their firm's interview process will be like, and then they can probably tell you how close or far you are from the bar that they set at their firm. So for yourself, or kind of for the audience as well, like what 
Like, what advice would you give to a high school student or a college student who wants to get immersed in the world of consulting? You know, either are your books, podcasts, or just different things of how to network. Yeah, I say for a high school student, and this translates for college students as well. There's no one clear step to consulting. What most firms um, look for is demonstrate success, leadership, and academic aptitude. So really, regardless of what you're doing, what field that you're studying in, doing extremely well in whatever you're doing, and also being a leader and showing that you're a leader through various activities and organizations is going to translate to consulting. Um, Consulting works in pretty much every field, function, and industry that you can think of. So as a result, every major in college has some sort of overlay into some sort of consulting. So you have value wherever you are, um, and you just need to make sure that you um, you show that value. In terms of in terms of books, um, there's a book called Case in Point, and most consultants will tell you to read that. It gives you a pretty even baseline of what a case interview is, walks you through all the various parts, and I think there's some resources in there um, if you want to look further. Um, also, just Googling um, case interview videos on YouTube, um, you can see the full front-to-back case interview. Um, it's important to note, though, like every single firm is going to be a little different. So just following the case and point method might not work at one firm, and it might get you the job in another firm. So really looking at the firm's website, wherever you're going to interview, is extremely important as well. Also hitting people up on LinkedIn, uh, getting their experience, getting their process, because like I said again, each firm has their own culture, and that translates from the interview all the way into when you're working there. So, you know, I was wondering, you know, for yourself, like, what was the biggest shock you realized when you got your first internship within consulting? That's a good question. Probably the biggest shock I would have is I thought the, it was probably the culture. Um, day one, when I walked in, I realized that it wasn't going to be a cutthroat environment. People were extremely smart, but it was all very collaborative. And that's things that you've heard before. Like you'll hear every company tell you that, but until you're actually in the room, working with your working with your colleagues, interacting with them on a day to day basis, even just you know eating lunch, it's hard to tell what that culture is really going to be. And for a relatively competitive industry like like consulting, it's easy to assume that people are going to um, be really cutthroat. But I found that that just wasn't the case. So even on that point, you know, like, were you ever nervous when you were speaking up during meetings? And like, how did you break that? Yeah, I think, um, especially in the beginning, it's natural to be nervous in meetings. Um, You're obviously going to be the youngest person in the room as an intern, whether that's 18, 19, 20 years old, sometimes working with people that are more than twice your age, um, have been working in a specific industry or a specific company for, um, sometimes decades, and you know that they know more about a specific uh, topic or their own company more than you do, but it's important to understand that um, both your firm um, as well as that company who hired your firm did that for a reason. It's because you can add value even as an intern. A lot of times as an intern, you bring a youthful perspective um, as well as more of an academically driven perspective because you're still in school. And both of those things can be very helpful, um, both in the team room, at your company, but as well as with the client. Um, They're paying for a new perspective, so it's important that um, you speak up and bring that. 
Gotcha. So definitely try to have, be confident when you get when you get into the room. Like, no, you earned it, and no, you can provide value to the company. Exactly. And there's a little bit like further on that. It looks better for you if you do speak up, even if you don't know the answer fully. Sometimes just a different perspective will spark another idea from somebody else and get you closer to a better answer. So really, um, you know that there's like no bad questions, especially because you got to the you already got the role. Uh, you can just you know, like however you feel is helpful. That's that's what the client wants. Interesting. So, you know, we kind of spoke on how big consulting firms are very competitive. Um, you going, being from Morehouse, being from a historically black college, you know, what advice would you give to a student who does not attend an Ivy League institution, but still wants to intern at one of the most prestigious consulting firms in the world? For sure. Um, I think it's important to note that um, a lot of people apply for all these jobs and they all want the jobs or feel they're qualified for the jobs because of their background. And for a lot of people, that's the school they come from. But I think that something that HBCUs and HBCU students really um, develop during their their time is that uh, they know like a deeper sense of personal identity. And that's able to come through and show beyond just the brand of a school. It's a brand of who you are as an individual, everything that you can do, whether that's your leadership, your academic background, um, your unique perspective and bringing that um, can sometimes be way more valuable to both the company and the client. So knowing who you are as an individual, knowing your self-worth and how to translate that both to the job, but also just like as an individual every day um, is really powerful and something that I think a lot of HBCU students might overlook is a skill just because your school doesn't have the same quote unquote brand name. Um, that you might think from other schools, employers are still going to look at you as a competitive applicant and um, you still have a really good shot at getting any of these roles. So definitely just stay confident. So on that point, you know, with you being president of the Morehouse Business Association, you know, what have you talked to or told students who to win? You know, they're applying for these big consulting firms. You know, me, myself, I haven't had uh, times like this. You know, you're nervous. You feel like you won't get the, the position or get the interview. You know, what advice would you try to give to students? The first thing, the most important thing, and this is really with anything, is just to put in the time. Uh, as president of the Morehouse Business Association, there would be a lot of kids who would uh, approach me about internships in various industries. And I think whenever you're looking at a competitive industry, you need to know that you're it's competitive because the candidates are competitive. And what that means is that they're willing to put in the time um, talking to people, networking, uh, practicing, learning, reading up, and just really getting up to the highest quality that they can. And that means as a different candidate and really someone who's competing for that same position, you need to be doing the same thing and you need to take it a step above. So if you're not putting in the work, you can't be mad at yourself for not getting the position. If you put in all you can, then really at the end of the day, it's up to um, it's up to the company to make that choice, but it really starts with you and the amount of time, the amount of hours you put into it. So really, honestly, it's your work ethic. Hmm. So, like, I guess for yourself, you know, you talked before in the kind of earlier in the episode as far as the differences between consulting and banking. You know, for you, like, what were the factors that made you choose consulting over banking? And, you know, what, what factors should somebody think about when they're figuring out what best path suits them? Sure. I 
think I'll start with what led me to consulting over banking and then maybe um, transition from there into how other students can find what's best for them. Um, but when I was looking at consulting um, and bank versus banking, um, I was weighing a few options. Uh, the first was what would I actually be doing in the day-to-day? I found that um, in consulting, I get a much wider exposure to a broad range of industries and functions, um, especially as an analyst. So analyst is the position you start um, directly out of college. Um, consulting tends to rotate your projects every few weeks to every few months, meaning that you get to work on a lot of different companies, a lot of different deals. Um, not always the case, but often in banking, you might be in, a, in the same group on the same team um, for upwards of a year, maybe two or three years. And that means you get very good at one specific thing, but I was just worried about um, getting really good um, and becoming an expert in one super specific thing in finance and not wanting to pursue that past two or three years. So then um, outside of having a broad exposure, that leads me to the second point, which is exit opportunities. Um, In the long run, I think I want to manage my own venture um, start something that's socially conscious. And this could be, I don't know, 10, 20, who knows how many years down the line. But at some point, I want to be able to found, found my own business. And just the various skills that you can pick up in consulting um, gives you a more well-rounded approach, in my opinion. Um, there's a ton of people who have found, founded businesses who came from a banking background. Um, but for the skills that I think I need to develop as a professional, I think consulting gives me um, more opportunities to do that, especially as um someone at a relatively junior level. And then the third thing I was looking at was the lifestyle. Um, I like traveling um, a lot. Consulting lets you explore different countries, um, at times different cities, um, sometimes on a weekly basis. So you're exploring different cultures, you're meeting different people, and you're really just growing um, and spreading your network in that way. And that's something that I've been passionate about in my personal life. I love to travel. And so being able to blend my personal and professional is something that was really exciting to me. So from your perspective or just people that that you've spoken to, um, even something that I've kind of analyzed, you know, why do you think more students have started to choose consulting over banking? I think there's... um, like the high level reasons for it. I think some things in consulting can seem kind of flashy. Um, A lot of companies have cool perks, um, let their consultants do cool things. But at a deeper level, I think um, just being able to um, get exposure that you wouldn't be able to get at any other uh, post-grad position. Uh, Most consulting firms are working with the top leaders in whatever their clients are and whatever the industries are. So if you want to get into, say, nonprofit management, one route is to work at a nonprofit. Another route might be to work in the social arm or the nonprofit division of a consulting firm and actually work with the top leaders at nonprofits. And so both give you experience, one's at a much higher um, leadership level than the other. And so it's just whatever you, you're trying to get out um, of that experience. But I think for people who are looking at themselves as trying to lead businesses in the future, um, consulting kind of positions you in a more unique way, um, potentially than starting out in that industry. 
So I was wondering on that point too, kind of the workflow between consulting versus banking. You know, a lot of questions that people always tend to ask me or just anybody that wants to go into one of those fields is, you know, what are what are the hours like and kind of what does the workflow um, deal with? Yeah, so I can speak only to consulting. I have friends who are in banking, so I've heard, you know, understand from them what their experiences are. Um, I think a theme that's consistent throughout is every day can be different. So depending on what stage you are in a project, regardless of your industry, and this probably holds true for any job, your work can just be different. Um, neither job is at nine to five um, in consulting. Um, there's travel that's included in your job that takes a toll on you as well. Um, you can be working in a number of different locations. It might be in the back of an Uber. It might be in a hotel. Um, it might be in a random room of a client or it could be in your office, right? Um, so just thinking about in terms of hours, does it really um, talk about the whole experience? Um, you really just have to be okay with a lot of uncertainty. Um, and what your products are as well as your hours. So some days you can come in um, to the office in my experience and you know leave in time to get home by dinner. Sometimes the product is ramping up um, a little bit more so you need to put in a few more hours. Um, but for my experience, the people you're working with um, don't make it feel like you're working as many hours as you are. Um, a lot of times you're so deep into the work um, and you're having a pretty good time with the people who are on your team that it really doesn't feel like you're working as long as you are. So kind of like for the audience as well, you know, when they maybe want to pursue consulting, but they don't actually know what they want to do with it, you know, from your perspective, you know, what industries and career paths do you feel like consulting can really transfer over well to? Yeah, and I think that's, that's something that is one of the biggest draws to consulting. So if anyone's considering that industry and they don't know what they want to do, consulting could be the perfect opportunity. I honestly don't know what I want to do. Five, six years from now, I have some ideas, and I hope to strengthen those in my first few months into consulting. But that's also one of the reasons that I'm joining a consulting firm. Um, but some typical paths that you see people leave from consulting um, are – uh, technology, um, they could join a, you know, a consumer, uh, products, like client group, they go into government, they go into the social sector. Um, so like nonprofit, uh, fields, some people go into finance, uh, private equity. Um, some people stay in consulting, go to different firms. Um, they might be more specialized in something that they want to do. Um, but honestly, it really depends. That's, like I said earlier, because you're working in so many functions and industries, there's exit opportunities into each of those functions and industries. So when you kind of came back to Morehouse after your um, after your sophomore internship, um, you know, were things easier for you, or how did you kind of break down problems from a from a different perspective when you got back to school? Yeah, easier maybe. Um, in some senses, but I think a way to reframe that would be I just viewed things um, through a different lens, and especially when it came to looking at problems outside of the classroom, right? So consulting, I think for me, gave me more of an analytical approach to dealing with most problems, and also um, a pretty pragmatic approach. So we're always looking to find a solution that's actually tangible and can be implemented, you know, relatively quickly. Um, so. Um, 
whether it was like pushing the uh, discussion forward in class or finding a solution to a problem we were facing in the Morehouse Business Association or Morehouse Consulting Club. I think just being able to have experience working with people who have solved very difficult problems and just taking some of their actual problem-solving tips, but also some of their tactical tips, um, how to deal with people, um, how to get the most out of um, a meeting, how to be efficient, uh, and what to do with your time. I think those are just as valuable as like the, you know, the hard problem-solving tools that you get as a consultant. So, you know, now you being, you know, sadly, it's uh, you cannot have your graduation this upcoming May because of uh, coronavirus, you know, hopefully in December. Trust me, I'm praying for you. Um, Thank you. But, you know, with you going to, you know, McKenzie in the fall, like I would wonder for yourself, you know, if you could go back to your 17 or 18 year old self, what would you do differently and why? That's an interesting question. I usually say when people ask me this, uh, nothing, uh, just because you know it leads to the path where you are. That's kind of a cliche, but I do think that it holds true. You, your experiences are what make you. Um, but if I could go back uh, to my 17, 18 year old self, um, I would probably just say, don't be afraid to try any sort of opportunity, um, even if it's um, something that you know, only one or two kids in your school are involved in. If it's interesting, just go for it, right? Because just expanding the amount of things you know, the amount of fields that you have some sort of interest or knowledge in as you get older, um, to me, it just seems like even more of something that I'm trying to build. So if I could have started, you know, just expanding my knowledge um, even earlier in my interests, I think that was something that uh, could have benefited, could benefit me now. Uh, but that's something that I'm actively trying to do every day is learn about things that I don't think I would have thought about the day before. And so uh, I think that's awesome that you can push yourself towards. Hmm. Well, thank you, Sam, so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it means a lot. You know, you kind of uh, were definitely one of my big bros when I came up through Morehouse trying to get my own internships, um, joining clubs and kind of meeting somebody that has been in the field, has done it and kind of just give me some advice. So, you know, thank you so much, you know, for me. Um, and just thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thank you for having me, man. And I remember uh, meeting you a few weeks into Morehouse and seeing your growth um, through um, the early protege program days into you founding this podcast and really building this out um, and continuing to grow um, in so many ways. Um, the privilege to you know, um, play any role in that. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. All right, well, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of Privileged Black Kids. Did you like that episode of Privileged Black Kids? Please like and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to hear more content of Privileged Black Kids. If you liked the episode, post on our Instagram stories that you listen to this podcast. You can tag my personal Instagram at underscore Kendall Camp, our official podcast page at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Also, you can tag and follow Sam's Instagram at Sam underscore Abrams. You can also reach out to him on his LinkedIn account at Sam Abrams. All reposts would be greatly appreciated because you guys get the word out. Again, thank you so much for love and support and thanks for listening.